broadcasting from Knoxville, along the banks of the mighty Tennessee River. This is the Startup Knox podcast, featuring interviews with local entrepreneurs about their startups. I'm your host, Brandon Bruce, and today I'm talking with Mitch Ishmael, founder of Active Energy Systems. Mitch launched Active Energy in June 2017 to help building owners lower their energy bills and improve cooling resiliency through low-cost, high-efficiency thermal storage for air conditioning. Active Energy has three employees, has raised a million dollars in grant funding, and a $50,000 safe, which is a simple agreement for future equity. Welcome to the show, Mitch. Hey, Brandon. Great to be here. Yeah, couldn't have said it better myself. Talk about the technology that you've invented and, and talk about why its hydrophobic properties are so important. So close. So you're so close. So it's it's not hydrophobic, it's ice-phobic. That's um, the key. Okay. That's, yeah. So, uh, yeah, why is isophobic materials or why is isophobicity so important? Why is it such a big deal, what we've discovered? So our technology is at its, uh, you know, goal. What we're trying to do is create a really efficient, low-cost thermal storage system for buildings. So basically a thermal battery so that you can power your air conditioning with intermittent renewable power so that you sort of have decoupled when the energy is available, you know, like from solar and when you want to turn on your air conditioning, which, you know, is probably when you're coming home from work and you want to crank it up. So the big limitation with thermal storage systems today or thermal batteries today is that they grow ice directly on the heat exchange surface. That's where you sort of put the cold in and get the cold out. The challenge with that is when you're growing ice on that heat exchange surface, you're insulating that surface. So you're inherently making it harder to put cooling in and get cooling back out. So with an isophobic material, you've eliminated that issue. You have prevented the ice from adhering to the surface. So it falls right off. So once you've done that, now you can make a much smaller system and a much more efficient system. So that's how, yeah, that's how we're using this sort of fundamental isophobic discovery to tackle this big thermal battery challenge. And that is a key. I mean, I think of it as a lay person. If I'm looking at a unit and there was ice in there, I would say, wow, looks like it's really working. It must be cold, (laughs) right? It's evidence of cold. Uh, But to your point, that ice is creating insulation, making it less efficient. And net, net, the owners are losing money. Yeah, right, exactly. They're using more electricity, so it's worse for the planet, right? From a a greenhouse gas perspective and a a reasonable use of resources perspective. But it also means they're spending a lot more money. How much more money are they spending because these units are inefficient? Yeah, so um, there's sort of the upfront cost piece. Um, they're, we think spending about 30% too much uh, on upfront cost. And then they're using about 15% more electricity than they really need to. So those are the two things that we're tackling. And just to get back to that point that you just said, it's very similar to like a, your evaporator in a, in a freezer or your refrigerator. If you see ice on those coils, your refrigerator is not working very well, right? That's, that's exactly what you don't want to see. You want to see a, a unit that's blowing cold air around as opposed to something that's all frozen up. And so that's a good, basically, public service announcement to myself and perhaps to some of our listeners. If there's ice in there, it's not working as well as it should be. <laughs> uh, check it out, which may be a timely announcement since we're, since we're talking here in the middle of a hot uh, summer in Knoxville. 
pivoting to the biggest news of the day, uh, new Department of Energy SBIR award that you recently received. Uh, talk about the process you went through to apply for that. What does it cover? How much money is it? How do you plan to put it to work? Yeah, so that is a great question. The SBIR funding is specifically to increase the cooling rate of our isophobic heat exchanger. So we have gotten over the barrier of getting it able to work reliably. Now we need to make sure that it is outputting at its maximum uh, possible amount. So that's what that SBIR award is for. Um, It's a $200,000 award. Uh, Yeah, we got the award because I think we assembled a real good group of uh, experts to, to help us achieve this increase in cooling output. So not only do we have uh, um, a consultant in OTS uh, Energy, which is in town, um, who actually got that introduction through um, a scientist at, at ORNL, um, and he's been really uh, good at helping us sort of, right, we sort of straddle this world between energy storage and HVAC, and he's really helped us speak the the HVAC lingo so that when we have our conversations with with chiller OEMs, you know, we sound really smart and intelligent, which I don't always do. Um, so yeah, and then we've also uh, engaged Danfoss, which is a really big HVAC component supplier. So they make like the compressors and valves and things like that. And so they've agreed to provide some in-kind engineering support and also send us uh, one of their own condensing units to, to run all these measurements on. Um, so yeah, I think it was sort of the combination of all those things and the potential of the technology itself that sort of uh, allowed us to have a successful application. And so is that research that's happening this year? Is that a 2020 or 2020 through 2021 uh, project? And then what are what are the deliverables for this type of for grant on the end? Because I think it's fascinating, right? We, we talk a lot in this region about SBIR, Small Business Innovation Research grants because of Oak Ridge National Lab and University of Tennessee are here. But I think it's interesting to talk with you and try to get kind of what's the inside track of how how do these actually work? Yeah. So the grant term is from July of this year till July of next year, but nine months into the grant, we'll have to submit our application for a phase two, which is for for more funding. So it's going from $200,000 for the current grant to a 1 million, approximately $1 million phase two grant. Um, which would basically be an extension of all the things that we did in our in our phase one. Um, yeah, the phase one deliverable is really it's a report basically saying how do we how do we do? Did we increase the cooling rate by three times, which is what we're projecting? And uh, we've also, as part of this grant, we're also designing a resilient cooling system, so something that would provide cooling to a building when the power was down. Um, yeah, that's one of the big focuses of the, of the DOE right now is how can you be a, a building that's more interactive and flexible? How can it play with the grid? And when the power goes down, how can you continue providing service and comfort and safety? Very cool. And then, so by the time you're applying for phase two, is the idea that phase two leads to the go-to-market? Like, do you think that the technology will be ready for customers at that point? Or is the expectation of phase two that you you are in the field testing with customers? Yes. So we're doing something actually very similar for our NSF SBIR. So we had a phase one SBIR 
for the, the NSF that ended or that's ending here in August. And at that point in time, we're applying for our phase two. And it's very similar for this, this DOE grant as well. I think it's almost exactly what you just said, where we're taking sort of more fundamental, you know, work, more proof of concept, you know, we're building a system, we're making sure that this, all the components of the system work and they fit together and they operate well. And then that phase two SBIR is the translation of sort of those proof of concept prototype systems into commercial units and all of the sort of challenges that you face moving between those two worlds. Gotcha. And I know in addition to the grant funding, you've also been pursuing investors uh, to back your company. The last time uh, we were able to see each other in person prior to the Safer at Home COVID-19 order, you were preparing to go up to the Northeast uh, to give a pitch. Uh, Talk about your process. How do you prepare uh, to go on a trip like that? Obviously, the investor was very interested. They invited you to come and present in person. Uh, What was the process that you used to get ready for that pitch? Yeah, we had a few pitches up there. And basically, it turned into me and my co-founder, Levon, really spending a long time doing a deep dive on each of the investors that we were talking to, really trying to understand what motivated them, what they were looking for in investments, you know, sort of, we already had passed that first hurdle that, you know, we knew that we were aligned with them. And we just wanted to make sure that we could deliver the best possible message that, um, you know, aligned with what uh, they wanted to make their, their, uh, for their investments. Um, Yeah, it was a lot of, uh, right, developing that story. And I appreciate you know, you given your feedback and we had a, you know, a round table of almost like the who's who of, of Knoxville entrepreneurs to, to give us feedback on our, on our story and our uh, value proposition and our business model and all that. And I think it really made for a strong pitch. So then to, you know, I don't want to leave listeners in suspense. So that was about, um, I think it was the end of February, early March this year. And uh, I think you can remember what was happening about that time. Really, COVID was ramping up. Um, So unfortunately, a a few said basically, you know, it's it's not the right time right now. Um, And the major one we were going after, it was sort of strange, kind of just went silent. And we've tried calling and following up over email and phone and really haven't heard anything. So since then, we've just kind of said, all right, let's table the raise. We got this SBIR. We got these, uh, this other sort of external funding opportunity as well. Um, and let's ride that out, keep, keep plugging along, and then we'll go back to, the, um, go back to raising around later, later this year. Yeah, and I think uh, a lot of the advice that I've read and heard from investors is that they really do appreciate uh, staying apprised, right? So a, a, a no is more like a not now. Um, so I think as you progress through the SBIR and you hit milestones, right, and have, have successes you can share as you ping those investors just to, you know, hello, keeping in touch, want to let you know we just had a breakthrough or our customer just provided this testimonial or we're expanding our technology into this additional field. Those sort of feelers go a long way because then they feel like they've been in touch versus two years later. Like, remember us? Uh, we pitched a long time, and we made a tremendous amount of progress in two years. And it's like, oh, that's super awesome, but I feel like we've lost track of each other. Um, so yeah, yeah that's a great point. And we're also communications and, and having yeah sent those out before. It, it seems to work pretty well. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a great point. And we're also trying to explore opportunities with 
the manufacturers of the the full chiller package. Um, so right, we're we sort of like I said earlier, straddle the world of H- HVAC and energy storage. Um, so we think that there's opportunities as well with sort of OEM partners sponsoring projects that'll help bring us along that commercial development path as well. And then talk about Innovation Crossroads. So uh, I always refer to it as the most prestigious accelerator program in the country because getting into it is a big challenge. And when you do get accepted into it, it comes with a you know substantial award in terms of uh, financial backing for your company. You get access to Oak Ridge National Lab, world-class facility. You get office space, and it lasts for a couple of years. Uh, you pivoted partway through Innovation Crossroads. What was that like? Yeah, Innovation Crossroads and what it provided for us has just been invaluable for me and for the company because we came in with this technology that was extremely impactful, but also required just an exorbitant amount of of capital time. There's a lot of technical risk. And I'm not sure we would have been able to discover, you know, that that was not really the market need in a, you know, if, if the accelerator was one year or less time, but over the, over the two years at Innovation Crossroads, which is a pretty long runway, you know, man, I wish I could find a two year long runway now, man, that was amazing. Um, right. Over that runway, we really were able, me and my co-founder to, to explore other opportunities and actually make this isophobic discovery along the way and then realize, hey, this is actually a much more, I think, impactful, but also sort of wrapped into that feasible um, technology that we can take take to market and do something really big with. Um, that was definitely not a. I made it sound much easier than it actually was. It was a a long, curvy path to to get to that point. It always is. It's 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 the proverbial roller coaster experience of running a startup. So now. Uh, where where are you located during this time of COVID? Are you able to get into the lab and do the research? Is your co-founder able to get in? Are you guys needing to work virtually? How how is that working for you all in the course of building a, a high technology company? Yeah, it's been challenging, but not maybe in all the ways I I would have I would have guessed. So for the during the safer at home order, um, everybody, me and my co-founder decided, you know. We needed to get everybody else out of the lab, but but one person. Um, and I was I was lucky enough to draw the straw that I got to stay in the lab. Um, so they they went home and worked from home for I guess that was about two months. And Fairview was a, a pretty quiet place for two months. There were a few other people that uh, that the um, technology Fairview Technology Center you know said could come in. So I got to come into lab during that course of time and. I don't know. I'm trying, I want to be able to convey the sense of sort of like this mixture of like loneliness, but also like Zen, like concentration levels that I hadn't been able to get to before. Cause like when it was just me, we had like basically one or two scheduled calls a day with, with our team. But then the rest of the time, like I was really able to lean into the core issues of our technology, really this repeatability issue. How can we get isophobicity over and over and over and over, have it fail um, you know, basically have no failure rate. And like, we basically were able to achieve that, that breakthrough, I think, because I was just like able to allow myself such a significant amount of time to really lean into that problem. I don't know, sort of, I guess a strange blessing and sort of a, uh, 
you know, a time that I, I would have never wished for. I don't know if, I don't know if that makes sense. Um, but yeah, yeah well, no, it, was, it does make sense. I, mean, I think during that time, yeah, during that time, uh, kind of the, 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 the party line has been obviously aside from, Hey, stay safe, stay healthy is it's a great time for focus, right? If you're hacking at something, whether it's uh, building software or making a breakthrough or advancing an invention, it is a good time because it eliminated uh, distractions, but it also eliminated just a lot of filler time. So for a lot of people, no more commuting, uh, not a lot of meetings, not a lot of ad hoc interruptions. So there was a lot of time for focus. In some instances, probably too much time, right? We wanted some of that. (laughs) Yeah, that that was the loneliness that I talked about. (laughs) Right. Yeah, we wanted to be able to go out to to a restaurant with our friends and things like that. Um, but you know, we have a history in this country, I think everywhere of making big R and D advances during downtime, if you will. So a lot of the biggest, most successful companies emerged from, you know, the 2008 recession. Um, so, you know, that's when the, the, the Facebooks and Instagrams and Airbnbs and, you know, that's when all of those really got a tremendous amount of traction. And then coming out of that as the economy uh, continued to strengthen, right? Those companies were very well positioned uh, to do as well as they've done. So I think it is, you know, for entrepreneurs, uh, the pep talk I think we all give ourselves is this is a really hard time, but it's a great time to build a strong company that's built to last, to, to scale into hopefully what becomes uh, the next upswing uh, in the economy. In the meantime, we have to weather everything that's going on, which is not easy, but it, it, it does, you know, give you all the opportunity at Active Energy to really, you know, hone, hone in on the invention and focus on, like you said, solving the problems that need solving, uh, which I think, yeah, might as well treat it as a great opportunity because the, uh, the alternative is, is to be depressed about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, let's jump into some of these rapid fire questions. Uh, you're fresh on the heels of this new DOE, Department of Energy, SBIR grant. Are you also fundraising? No, we're not. We're going to put that on hold for a bit till the end of the year. Okay, so possibly end of 2020. What about hiring? So you have this grant money. Are you actively looking for people to join the team? Or is that something where you'll also kind of take stock at the end of the year? Yeah, we're going to wait and take stock. We have uh, had two great summer interns um, that have really helped us a lot this summer. But yeah, moving back into the fall. Yep, we're going to we're going to just keep with the current team we have. How were you able to find the interns? Were, the, were those through ORNL? Were those at University of Tennessee? Was it through your other networks? Yeah, so one of them was through Launch Tennessee, where they basically provided half of the the stipend for for that intern, and that was that was amazing. Um, she's been uh, really great. And the um, other intern we hired, I, I forget, Levon posted that one. I think we just posted that one online um, somewhere, and. Yeah, just sort of got lucky. Um, he's been he's been really good too. Fantastic, and that's worth highlighting. Uh, Launch Tennessee's program that will match uh, half of the stipend for uh, summer internships. And so, for any founders of startups that are listening to this, uh, a great opportunity to bring on board some really top talent. Yeah, it is. And a number of local startups have also benefited from the fact that these have become their future employees, uh, which which may also happen in the future for Active Energy. So. Definitely a great uh, program to highlight. Um, reading. What books are you reading right now? I'm not the kind of person who can read like, th- like I feel like this question is like, what entrepreneurship book are you reading? Like that's what I feel like the subtext is. And I just want to put out there that like, I'm just not the kind of person who can read like entrepreneurship like books 
when I, when I go home at night. So, um, I am reading a book called Ducks Newburyport right now, which is basically like a stream of consciousness book from a uh, lady who lives in Ohio. And it's, it's very interesting. I also try to read, um, the, uh, make it through the economist every week, but sometimes that's a little dense. Nice. Well, I think that's important too, right? Like if you're cranking away for so many hours in the day on business and frequently, you know, emails, reading blog posts, getting advice, uh, from mentors, board members, advisors, et cetera, then sometimes the most important thing is to read something that's totally different, uh, (laughs) than the focus of the business, totally different from, you know, entrepreneurship, marketing operations, right? There's a million books on those topics. And it was just nice to switch gears and get into, you know, fiction or sci-fi or history or just something else. Uh, Give the brain a break. And sometimes in those books, we sort of have the little epiphany, right? Where we're reading something and it's, oh my gosh, this actually applies to my business in some weird way. Uh, Let's your mind relax enough so that your brain can come up with solutions. So I totally appreciate that. Uh, What about podcasts? Aside from the Startup Knox podcast, of course. Uh, what podcast are you listening to? Yeah, I've been listening to the 538 Politics podcast a lot. Um, it's really data-driven um, analysis of of polling and you know po- politics and that kind of stuff. It's 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 pretty interesting, I think, because there's they rarely give a clear-cut answer to anything, and I think that that is the world that we live in, um, especially if you think about things in a statistical uh, manner. So. Yeah, no, fascinating site and very timely, of course, because we're in the march toward uh, the next big presidential election in November. Um, who are you following online? Oh, man. See, like, I don't really follow people. On, like, I don't have a Twitter or Facebook or Instagram um, or I think TikTok is the kids use these days. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't really follow anyone online. That's a good answer. That, that, that frees up more time, uh, potentially, right? That's, so I think right. it's fair to say you've, <laughs> you've preempted those distractions, uh, which I think uh, can be really beneficial. Um, okay, what's the best way for listeners to find out more? What is your website? So our website is activeenergysystems.com. And uh, you can email me at mitch at activeenergysystems.com. Fantastic. Mitch, thanks so much uh, for coming on the show. It was exciting to catch up with you. Congratulations on the new SBIR grant, like you say, uh, you've got a couple from NSF, now a new one from Department of Energy. That's super exciting. Looking forward to catching up with you uh, here later on in the year. Find out if you're going out uh, to do additional raises, see how the phase two application will start to take shape in 2021. So good luck uh, to you and the whole team at Active Energy. Brandon, it's been my pleasure. Thanks a bunch. And remember, ice-phobic water. Ice-phobic water. That's the key, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Startup Knox podcast. If you like the show, you can subscribe to listen to more interviews with Knoxville entrepreneurs. Please also leave a review on Apple, Google, Spotify, or your favorite listening platform. If you want to know more about today's episode, check out the show notes on our website at startupknox.com. Also on our site, you can find a startup ecosystem guide, a startup directory, an investor directory, and a curated startup events calendar for Knoxville. Join me for the next episode where I'll talk with Bailey Foster, founder of Real Good Kitchen, about her efforts to bring a community kitchen to East Tennessee and how she's focused on digital programming during COVID-19. Thanks for listening. 